Well, I want to take an opportunity to welcome you again this evening. My name's Matt. I'm from the, the Baptist Church. I'm just going to bring a, a few words that reflect something of our heart and our longing for unity and uh, the church in this town. Um, we've just been through quite a lot of changes at the Baptist Church. Actually, today was quite a big day. And uh, we had a good morning. But actually, in the run-up to that, we spent quite a lot of time talking about this, reflecting on it, planning, praying. And we have this thing in Baptist churches called the church meeting. <laughs> and we gather together, and we seek the mind of Christ together for his church. And uh, we had a meeting to talk about um, these changes. And we spent time just reflecting and and. and and discussing and debating and really trying to get our heads around, you know, what this looks like. And uh, at the end of it, we decided that we would pray. That's a good idea. Should have prayed at the beginning, really. I think we did pray at the beginning. So don't... <laughs> Those Baptists. <laughs> but we prayed. And we spent time in prayer at the end. And as we prayed, the Lord spoke to me. And he spoke to me like... You know, it's a bit like Elijah on the mountaintop. It was in a way that I hadn't expected it. There was a person in the meeting who had a t-shirt on. I can't see, I don't think she's here actually. But uh, she had a t-shirt on. And on this t-shirt, it was, it was just such a gift. It was prophetic, I am sure. It was a, it was a t-shirt um, for the England football team. And it was linked to one of their campaigns that they didn't do very well in. Yeah, <laughs> work it out. <laughs> and it just said this. In amongst all these sort of famous footballers' faces, it just said, one team, one dream. One team, one dream. And I thought, yeah, that's it. We, we were, as a church, gathering, and yeah, we debated and discussed different ideas about what this could be. But ultimately, the call of God is to have one team with one dream. And as I thought about what I would say and share this evening, this, as we discussed it as a, as a group of pastors in the town, we decided that, you know, I decided that this would be a really good kind of theme, a, a motif to almost just sort of place over our gathering this evening and to reflect on and think about. It's the week of prayer for Christian unity this week. We're gathering uh, here in St. Austell, but there are kind of gatherings like this happening across the country. And that's really exciting, isn't it? But it is very exciting to see a crowd here from across the different churches in this town with one team, with one dream. So I want to think about that for a little bit now. One team. One team. So much that could be said about unity. The Bible's got a lot to say about it, hasn't it? There's a few kind of go-to passages that we could have reflected on this evening. Psalm 133. The psalmist there talks about the blessing of unity and the good, how good and pleasant it is when people dwell together. That word dwell is, is, is deeper than just being in the same room together. It's about friendship. It's about friendship. You know, and, and I know it's more than this, but actually I'm so blessed by the friendships that are developing 
with my fellow pastors and leaders and, and clergy in the town. It's important that we gather in that way. But the psalmist goes on, he says this, you know, when we dwell together in unity or harmony, it's like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. It's as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. Now, I don't know what that kind of feels like, the whole oil down the face. My beard's not bushy enough, I guess, to uh, <laughs> kind of really capture that. But uh, neither do I really fully understand the, the Jew of home. I'm sure that there's some, some study to be done there. But where the Lord bestows his blessing, we want that, don't we? Do you know the Lord is pleased with this gathering? If, if, if that psalm is true, he's pleased. There's a blessing for this evening. And I think there's a blessing for this town because of what is happening in this place tonight. So we could have gone to Psalm 133. could have gone to, to John 17. Jesus' prayer for his disciples. Let me just read a few verses. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me. I'd love to unpack that this evening, but anyway, that's for another time. I have given them the glory that you gave me. They that they may be one as we are one. That they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. This is Christ's prayer for his church. This is Christ's prayer for his church. That we may be one as We are one. He and the Father. You know, that's what makes these moments so important. But we can't just make it about these moments, can we? We can't put this down and pick it up again next January in the week of prayer for Christian unity. This is a journey that we have been on. And we must continue on. That's not the passage I want to look at. I was a bit worried when you started reading at the, at the start, Pete, because I want to look at Ephesians 4. I was like, oh no! <laughs> Pete's going to steal my thunder. Just very, very briefly, there's one line in, in this, this part that Pete read at the start, Ephesians 4. Paul is writing from prison. He says, as a prisoner from the Lord. And I just wonder, I wonder if that this is so important to him that he is willing to go to prison for it. Let's put that in the context of Ephesians, all that he talks about in that, in that epistle. But, but, but this, you know, unity is such a massive part of that, that epistle. This is how important it is. He's, he's really nailing his colours to the mast. I'm willing to go down for this. And then he goes on. He says, I urge you 
to live a life worthy of your calling that you received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. And this is the phrase, make every effort to keep or maintain, as some of the, 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 the versions say, the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Then he goes on to this, give the sort of the basis of this, of this bond, this connection. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you are called, to, to, what, sorry, to one, one hope when you were called, and one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. Verse 3 says, make every effort to keep, to maintain the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. That's pretty clear, isn't it? Make every effort. You know, I think there's an emphasis here that we can overlook or miss quite easily in the reading of this little phrase. Because I, what I see here is that you know, we are called to keep not to create. We are called to maintain, not make. We don't create unity. Unity exists. And the reason it exists is because we, as believers in Jesus Christ, have the Spirit of God living within us. One and the same Spirit. There is a connection between us. We don't have to create it. It's there. We have to maintain it. And then, really, really importantly, we have to make sure that we don't grieve the Spirit of God. Because He is the one who connects us. This is the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Unity exists between us. It's one and the same spirit. In a, one body, one spirit. We don't make it or create it. It simply is because he dwells within us. That's why we're one team. Yeah? That's why we're one team. I wanted to get you to look at your neighbour and do something embarrassing, but I'm not going to do that. Just that sense of, you know, we are one team. I hate it when they do that. <laughs> Yeah? Brothers and sisters, part of the same family. There's a, there's a, there's a book called That None Should Perish, and um, it's by a guy called Ed Silvoso, who led revival uh, in a town, a city in South America, and then went on to lead other cities in revival. And what he did, his strategy was, the first thing he did was gather the pastors of that town together, sit them in the room, get them to look at each other and say, we are one church. We are one church in this town. So what our adversary, the enemy, has used to divide and destruct, we say no more. No more. So I want us to do something. I'm going to ask you a question. Are we one church in St. Austell? Yes. Yes. Do you know what that does? That, that shapes and changes something in the heavenly realm. We are one church. None of that was in my notes. I just felt I needed to say it. <laughs> so there we are. We're one team. But what about our dream? What about this dream? Again, there's lots of go-to places that we could, we could go to in Scripture to say, actually, this is sort of the basis of what we do, what we are about. We could go to Isaiah and talk of, look at pictures of water in the desert or the, the existence of unusual peace on the earth. 
We could go to Ezekiel with visions of dry bones coming to life or water flowing from the altar through the land and, and into the dead sea, bringing life wherever it flows. We could go on to Jesus' teaching on prayer where he instructs us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. All of these would be valid dreams or hopes that we could collectively hold on to. But I want to read from, 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 from Luke 4 and then just very briefly just reflect on this and say maybe this is the one dream that we need to gather around for the sake of our community. Luke four eighteen and 19. Jesus here is setting out his stall in some people, they would call it the Jesus Manifesto, if you like. We're told that he's in the power of the Spirit, and we have to do this in the power of the Spirit, don't we? Because if we don't, we're doing it in our own strength that just doesn't work so well. He's in the power of the Spirit. He's been baptised. He's, he's gone through those trials in the wilderness, and, and he does what he does on the Sabbath. He goes to the synagogue, and there he's handed the scroll from the prophet Isaiah, and he reads from the prophet Isaiah. He says, the Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. And he has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind. To set the oppressed free. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. You know, what Jesus was saying to the people looking on and listening is, you know what you've been waiting for? You know what you've been dreaming about? You know what you've been reading about? You know what you've been longing for for all these years? It's now. It's now. This is the time. We're in it. Now is the time. Good news for the poor. The material poor. The spiritual poor. Freedom for the prisoners. We've sung it, haven't we? My chains fell off. Freedom from the things that so easily capture and enslave us and our world. Sight for the blind. You look at the ministry of Jesus. And you see that 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 is spiritual, but that is physical too. Relief for the oppressed. Here Jesus is referring to spiritual, spiritually, the spiritually and emotionally oppressed, but he's also talking here about socially oppressed within our, our culture and beyond. This is the vision, the dream that would start to be fulfilled through the coming of Christ. It's what people have been longing for, dreaming for for years. And it's our dream, isn't it? Isn't it the longing of our hearts that we would see that in our own lives and in the life of our our, our community, the communities where God has placed and planted us? This is the vision and the purpose around which God unites us as his people and his church. This is the ministry of Christ to the world. And this, I want to suggest, as churches together, the church in St. Austell is the dream, the hope, the longing that we should gather around, should unite around, should be discussing what does this look like for us, for us as the church in this place And it's so exciting to see lots happening already, to hear of lots happening already, testimony after testimony of the power of unity. But there's more. There is more. Because, you know, with God, there's always more. 
because his kingdom is advancing, of the increase of his government and peace, there is no end. Yeah? And I want to say this. I believe that we are more effective and more impacting when we work together. Yes? That's it. One team, one dream. What are we doing now? (laughs) 